I want to thank you for joining into our Bible study this evening as we continue our work through Ephesians chapter 2. I know that it has been a couple of weeks, but we arrive at some verses tonight in this chapter where the Apostle Paul uses very vivid language, in a way, new words for believers. We've been working through what it means principally, scripturally, to be saved, what that means for us, practically speaking. And tonight, these verses that we'll study shine a light on that in a unique, very special way. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, I would like for you to look in Ephesians chapter 2, down in verse 4, as I begin reading, and note this with me. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I know that much of life is enhanced or diminished by who we are around, by who we are together with. You grasp that in these verses, the Apostle Paul has said we are together with Christ. Can you imagine any better position than together with Christ? And I want to study this this evening and help us practically learn what we have in salvation and then how we should live because of that fact. That's the radical thing that Paul has been discussing. Remember that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were under the dominion of the prince of the power of the air. We were subordinate to our fleshly desires and lusts. We were by nature children of wrath. And as we just read a moment ago, very vividly, the apostle says, but God, that's the intervention. Those two words change everything. He is rich in mercy and he loved us. And with that richness and mercy and love, he quickens us together and he raises us up together and he seats us together with Christ. That's stunning to comprehend, together with Christ, sitting with Jesus. Can you imagine any better position than that one? That's what we have when we are saved, together with. Let's just focus on those words and that reality, together with. It carries with it the idea of synergy, synergized. We're with Christ when we are saved. Jesus taught this. The language is very strong. It's descriptive again in John chapter 15. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, Ye are the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. With Christ. Grasp the implications of that. He 
as we abide in him, he abides in us. At salvation, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, truly with Christ. In Christ, with Christ, dictates even how the world receives us. So simpatico are we, so synergistic are we, that Jesus told us as the world received him, so they would receive us. Here's what he says in Luke 10, 16. He that heareth you, heareth me. And he that despiseth you, despiseth me. And he that despiseth me, despiseth him that sent me. We're received as though we are in Christ. That's how the world views us. In fact, when Jesus prays what we might call the high priestly prayer of John chapter 17, he refers to it explicitly. Here's what he prays in John 17, 22, asking God the Father. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that, thou may be, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved them. I in them and thou in me, together with. This is a theological foundation indwelt by the Holy Spirit, viewed by God as with Christ, positionally in Christ, and the world receiving us as such. Practical fallout to a theological truth. That phrase, in Christ, or some variation thereof, is central to the Apostle Paul's writings. In fact, it's used some 164 times in his writings. Another old commentator said, union with Christ is the central truth of the whole doctrine of salvation. Without Christ, we can do nothing. Central, foundational to the truth of salvation is this reality of with Christ, in Christ. So we move off of that foundational truth and we see the practical fallout. All things are new. Now, we were dead. We were under the dominion of the devil. We were subordinate to our flesh and desires and lusts. We were by nature children of wrath. Everything has changed. All those old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. New creatures, all things new. And we'll study what he is saying here when he first says, now we are quickened together with Christ. We are made alive together with Christ. Now, one old author said the difference between the sinner and the Christian, the believer and the unbeliever, is not that the believer has certain faculties that the other man lacks. No, what happens is that the new disposition given to the Christian directs his faculties in an entirely different way. When all things become new, we are a new creature. Though I might wish for it, I don't actually get a new brain. I don't get a new physical heart. The reality is I am now turned in a new and different direction. What once had dominion over me and what once I was subordinate to and what I once was by nature, I am no longer. I am made alive with Christ. 
union with Christ, powered by the Holy Spirit, salvation is a miraculous thing. John chapter 3 and verse 8, we read, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound there, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. It's not something that perhaps you see, but you are made alive with Christ. You who were dead, made alive with Christ who liveth forever and ever. You who were a child of darkness, now translated into the kingdom of light. You were lost, you are now saved. Quickened together. Paul calls it, and this is the term that I use upon baptizing and raising someone out of the water, pictorially raised to walk in newness of life. That comes from Romans 6 and verse 4. Quickened together with Christ, being this new creature, walking a new direction, means that for the first time we can understand spiritual truth. Now we can desire spiritual things because now we are inhabited and dwelt with the nature of God. We can seek godly things. In fact, in Colossians, the Apostle Paul says we should set our sights, we should aim for the things which are above, not the things that are on earth. In Christ, we cannot help but be pleasing to God. And that's important. Practically speaking, I always like when people use practical language to help us understand what this means for us. One wrote this, When God raised you from being dead in your sins, He did not leave you in the cemetery. Remember, when Lazarus came out of the grave, he was alive. He was no longer dead. And Jesus then said to him, Loose him, let him go. Get those grave clothes off of him. He is no longer dead, but he is alive. This guy cannot live the rest of his life in grave clothes. So then when Jesus raises us from dead in our sins, it's not just to let us roam around the cemetery in grave clothes. He picked us out of the grave and sets us on a new path. It is a miracle of resurrection, a miracle of resurrection. You as a believer are a miracle. The Holy Spirit's power energizing and raising you from being dead in your sins and trespasses into newness of life. That is an awesome reality. Not just that quickened together, but raised up together. Those words there are communicating the reality even of the ascension of Jesus Christ. That will become clear in the next phrase where we are seated together with him in heavenly places. The fact is, though we are not yet there physically, Christians are already in the heavenlies by virtue of our union with Christ. He in us, we in him. He is seated at the right hand of his Father in heaven. Spiritually speaking, we're there. Our citizenship is there. Though certainly this realm exists, the reality is We are seated with Christ. That's the next thing that he says. We are quickened together with Christ, raised up together with Christ, seated together with Christ. And the verb tense that the Apostle Paul uses here when he says we are seated together with Christ conveys the idea that we are already seated there. 
So great is the faith of the Apostle Paul. So certain is the word of God. So sure are the promises and prophecies of the scripture that the Apostle Paul talks as though we are already seated in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. That is our position now, spiritually speaking. You say, well, I'm still here. I'm in this realm. Absolutely. But there's practical fallout that we'll arrive at in a moment because we're to live according to this truth. But it is fact. If you are saved, you are already seated in the heavenly places. Practically speaking, our citizenship, according to Philippians 3.20, is there. You are no longer of this world. You're in this world, but no longer of it. You are transformed and have eternal life. I always think this is a special way to look at it. When we are saved, we get eternal life. And sometimes we think we'll attain that when we die. But the fact is, because of what Scripture teaches us, we have eternal life now, shall never die. You say, well, physical death, absolutely, but you have eternal life now. To close our eyes to this life is to open them to the next, eternity. We have that gifted to us now. You're alive your life is already hid with Christ and God. He did not just raise us, remember, and leave us in the cemetery to walk around in grave clothes. He exalted us with Christ. We are joint heirs together with Christ. This is stunning in depth to understand the fallout for all of that. How much grace is bestowed upon us. The beauty is, it's not just the grace that it took to save us, but it is the grace of God that is lavished upon us even here and now. One said this, I think this is great. From the moment you are saved, for the rest of the ages throughout eternity, he is unloading on you the riches of his grace. It's all yours. He doesn't withhold anything at all. He gives you everything through Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thing. You don't miss anything. It's all yours in Christ. All yours in Christ. I know that I long for heaven, but heaven is mine now. Now, I don't see it with my eyes, but then again, as a Christian, as a believer, I walk by faith and not by sight. It is factually mine now. I may not be dwelling there, but I will, and it is so certain that I will, that it is as though it has already occurred together with Christ. If I were to stop and ask you, if you could spend time if you could be aligned with, if you could be associated with, if you could be close to anyone in history, anyone alive now or alive in the past, I'd imagine based on our human emotions and our finite intellect, we could probably think of someone. Maybe it's somebody that we've lost. Maybe it's somebody that we've read about. Maybe it's someone that we admire. Maybe it's somebody just that we dearly love and haven't been able to be close to. We would think, if I could just be with them, 
If I could just be together with them, if I could just be associated with them, if I could just be close in proximity, if I could just live life their direction and, and have that intimacy and that conversation, what a privilege that would be. If I could even get it for an hour, how great that would be. And Paul's telling us in Ephesians 2 that though we were dead, we are now alive with Christ. And though we were bound to this earth, the prince and the power of the air subordinate to him, we are now free and risen with Christ. And though we were capitulating to our fleshly desires and lusts, and we were by nature children of wrath, we are now seated in the heavenlies with Christ. You cannot have greater intimacy than you have with Christ. The implications of this are far-reaching. This is perspective-altering, the reality of the doctrine of Scripture. One said this, I think it's beautifully written, salvation is from sin, by love, into life with purpose. Salvation is from sin, by love, into life with purpose. I'm not just saved from hell, though that is an awesome reality. I am saved for heaven. I am secured for all eternity. It's not just what I'm saved from. Think about what you're saved unto. That's what's being communicated here. That should change, practically speaking. I'm saved from sin by love. And the fact is, I'm saved into new life with a purpose. That's where the practical fallout begins. I'm saved into life with purpose. You have a purpose now you never had before. And the truth of the matter is, you are truly a new creature. Heaven is your home. It's as sure as though you're already there. So the simple truth is, live like it. That's really how practical the Apostle Paul gets. He'll say in this letter, you're a child of light. Act like a child of light. You are no longer a child of darkness. Why do you live like you're still a child of darkness? Why the defeat? Why the downcast view of life? Why the sin? Why the capitulation to temptation and carnality in the flesh? You are a child of the light. Live like it. Walk worthy of your vocation wherewith you are called. Walk like one who has received the saving grace of Jesus Christ. This is what the psalmist was exalting about in Psalm 110 when he said, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Imagine in the upper room. John writes, as the beloved disciple seated there at the Last Supper, that he was leaning on Jesus physically, close enough in that setting to whisper something to Jesus, to get answers from Jesus. And, and in that upper room, you can see the disciples are troubled because Jesus is leaving. And Jesus says to them, let not your heart be troubled. Keep on believing in me. And in that same setting, he says, I will not leave you comfortless. 
And in fact, it's better for me, Jesus says, that I physically go to the Father so that the Holy Spirit can come to you. I don't think we fully comprehend the gift that we have in Christ, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, seated with Christ. Jesus said, this is better for you. I am there with you. When you ask in prayer, I hear you. I'm in you. I'm with you. Abide in me. The practical implications of this, it's time to move our affections from the things of this earth to heavenly things. Now, whenever I say things like that, that's so pastoral. That's so teachy. That's so straight from the Bible. Where does your affection lie? Does your affection lie here in something that you will pass by or does it lie in heavenly places? What is the aim of your life? Where is your energy being spent? How are your gifts being used? What are you even doing materially? What do your hours look like? What is on your schedule for the week ahead? Is your affection set on heavenly things or earthly things? Because the practical fallout of this truth is that heaven should be where our heart is. Not only that, it's time that we walk with God like never before. Let's comprehend the shortness of our stay in this place. And eternity is a long time. Eternity is a long time. And really, we have less than probably 100 years if we are extremely aged before we go. We have such a short window of time to do things, such a short window of time to set our priorities on heavenly things. There is an urgency that comes of this. The more that we understand theologically what we have in Christ, the more it changes our practical lives. You end up believe, behaving like you believe. And when we certify our beliefs on scripture, the fact is we change our behavior. We have victory. We were dead, but now we're alive. We were bound by our fleshly lusts and desires, but now we have victory over sin. We have the chance, the prospect of victory over sin and temptation. We have victory over death. We have victory over hell. It's a great reality. What a beautiful study. We'll continue through this because there's so much in here for us to understand what it means to be saved. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, for the time that we can spend together in it. I pray that we'd honor you based on this truth this week that we have. May we tell others about your son. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is Graceway Charlotte. Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.